0: Hey, what's up, everyone? This is episode number twenty-eight of Conversations That Don't Suck. I'm super excited about the guest we have today. We have Gary Ware on, and Gary was introduced to me by Jan Keck who was on the podcast uh, maybe like five, six weeks ago. Um, and yeah, Jan has introduced me to a number of people who've been guests on this podcast. So thank you for your connection magic, Jan. That's the amazing thing about this podcast and like the nature of it that it's about connection and everyone that suggests new guests to me i just like trust automatically because i'm like we're all in the same world of connection hell yeah i want to have a conversation with them so thank you jan for doing that and gary is the play guy he loves to bring play into people's worlds and we had a great conversation about the different uh, characteristics and pathways and personalities that come into play and how this can be brought into corporate spaces as well as a big thing we got into so it's a really fascinating conversation and Definitely as a person who, I have big discomfort with playfulness. Um, If you want to ask me deep, vulnerable questions about my childhood or whatever all day long, like I'll do that forever. That piece of vulnerability doesn't scare me, but there, yeah, playfulness is definitely a vulnerability that is a big edge for me. So it was nice to have this conversation and learn a bit more about the different ways that play can be brought into our lives and and how to create more comfort with it. So before we get into the episode, I will say this is probably one of the last, uh, I think there might be like, two or three more guest episodes that i'm going to do and then i think i'm going to be doing solo casts for a little while um i'll sort of see how that pans out but yeah i'm feeling pretty excited about sharing more personal things um and maybe pausing on guest interviews for a bit uh, and yeah the according to my podcast analytics the uh, solo casts have been doing quite well and have been yeah heavily listened and downloaded so thanks y'all i love you i'm glad you enjoy hearing my voice and my thoughts um and yeah there's also big exciting projects happening behind the scenes right now and next week i will have lots more information about that um and i have lots of uh, yeah fun news and things that i'm going to be sharing with the world soon so thanks so much for listening as always i love you so much and i hope you enjoy the episode with gary We live in a world that is starved for more authentic connection. Better conversations are our first step in getting there. Welcome to Conversations That Don't Suck. I'm your host, Kyla Sokol-Ward, and I'm here to engage you in truth-telling discussions about the super deep, always beautiful, sometimes ugly, and wholly honest parts of being a human. Real connection and empathic communication can feel easy and should be a part of our everyday lives. Most of our conversations suck. These ones don't. Hi, Gary. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me, Kyla. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yep. So happy that we get to talk today. What's uh, What's been the theme of your world today?
1: The theme of my world, to be honest, has been connection, uh, believe it or not. Because uh, one of my... i I like... They are a client of mine. I do digital marketing. But like, you know, we have a really good relationship. It's his birthday. And so we created a the other people we all worked together created a little video gram for him and he loved it. And then um, got to catch up with a a good friend of mine that we're collaborating on something. So yeah, I I feel like it's just all about having, having meaningful connections. That's the theme.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. Well, I'm excited that we get to talk today and Jan was a, was our super connector for this conversation and he's, You know what, Jan's gotten a number of shout outs on this podcast because he has connected me to several of the other guests. So he's really a, he's a superstar for me (laughs) right now. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, and I, so I know a little bit about you and the work that you do, but I'd love to hear it in your own words, what what you're about and the the amazing things that you bring to everyone else.
1: Thank you so much. So um, I'm a bit complex uh, because technically trained, Uh, I went to school for marketing and advertising, and I don't really do that (laughs) anymore. Yes, I I do it a little bit on the side, um, you know, just to keep the lights on, but I like to call myself a self-proclaimed creative catalyst in that Mm -hmm. I help use the power of applied improvisation and play to help people connect, help people explore their inner creativity, be more confident, all of those cool things. So that's what I do. Um, And I do that through, it used to be in person workshops, but um, as of this recording, uh, that's, yeah, yeah, that is not necessarily a possibility. Uh, But, you know, we can create some meaningful connection via video. So uh, Mm -hmm. I, I do what I can.
0: So, one of the first reactions that I had, and I think I shared this with you in our first conversation, one of the first reactions I had to looking at your website and learning more about your work is like, wow, who, I'm, I'm just thinking of like corporate spaces and actually not even just corporate spaces, but speaking from my own experience and some of my own discomfort around the concept of play. Yeah. I feel so curious about how you manage to get other people to have buy-in with the things that you do and the things you bring to them as much value as I, as I positively know exists. I find it almost just like, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's fascination is what I feel.
1: Yeah. Well, if you think about it, so I I mentioned applied improvisation. Mm -hmm that what applied improvisation is, is using tools that improvisers use to help them prepare to get on stage and perform without a script. Um, I take those activities and games and then I mix it with like sort of gamification and all kinds of other things and and bring it to clients. And you're absolutely right. When they hear stuff like that, uh, I get a few responses like, "Uh, uh, 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 what, we're gonna do what? Because if you think about it, public speaking, is the like the single biggest fear in the u.s second to death right and then spiders and and snakes and stuff like that like it's after that and to say you're we're going to be in an unknown environment where you have no idea what's going to happen you have no control over it and we're going to potentially look stupid and silly in front of each other Uh uh-uh sorry Mm. and that's the thing with play play is a very vulnerable experience totally it it helps us connect on a deeper level because it is so vulnerable um a mentor of mine gwen gordon she says when you play you get a glimpse of someone's unbounded true nature Mm. because when you're invited into a play like environment you take all belief and you set it aside for the game and then you really get to understand what someone's like but people are scared of doing that at work because we have this belief i'm at work professional this is my professional thing i don't want anything to like sort of come in you know uh, in front of that and, and sort of block that. So yes, you're absolutely right. I, I get a lot of, is this really going to work? Um, mm-hmm. You know, what's going to happen? Like when I'm working with organizers, you know, whether it's an HR, like I'm doing something for a team or maybe a conference organizer If I'm going to do this at event,
0: mm-hmm. there's a lot of
1: sort of apprehension, like, okay, tell me all what's going to happen. And the cool thing is that I say um, in the world of improvisation, before we go on stage, we tell each other, I got your back. We give Mm -hmm. each other a little pat on the back and we say, I got your back. And a lot of the work that I do come, like there's tenants in improvisation and I I follow that in my work. And I tell them, I said, look, everything that we do, yes, there's gonna be a little bit of discomfort. Mm -hmm. But if you think about any growth that you've ever had, no growth has come from staying in your comfort zone. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But the cool thing is we are going to do it together. We're gonna do it little by little. And the alternative, is that because the things that I do help develop skills, the alternative is that we can get someone to lecture and that is the safe way. But (laughs) all right, yeah, yeah. No one's going to be put on the spot and you may learn a lot, but this is true. Mm -hmm. If someone were to lecture at you and you took a lot of notes, but you did nothing with it Mm -hmm. for two weeks, 14 days, it will be as if... You never learned it. Your brain will say, this is not important, delete. And companies pay tens of thousands of dollars to have trainers come in and lecture at them. However, because you didn't play with it, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you're going to be less likely to actually implement it. And what I'm doing is, yes, it's a little bit scary, but we're actually playing with the material in real time. And it's going to give you a greater chance to actually when push comes to shove and you need to be creative or you need to be more confident because you're having an uncomfortable conversation because you've did it in the sandbox you're going to be more likely to do it when the stakes are higher
0: mhm yeah a big part of what i'm hearing you say is like there's the the embodiment which is what you're teaching and it's not just and you could sit there and lecture about play if you wanted to it would be it would be strange but you could do that and like and people would you know do the same thing they do with someone lecturing about anything but yeah the as you're saying creating the safe space and saying we're going to do this here when there's truly nothing at stake it sounds like besides maybe like some discomfort some vulnerability things like that but yeah there, there's not some huge decision at risk here and oh. then later on you get to maybe play with something a little bit riskier having mm-hmm. actually known that these skills work for you through through mm-hmm. your experience and not just hearing about it
1: Yeah. And so it's one of those things where it's a, you have to do it to really get it. And so, what typically happens, the work that I do, someone has seen me, um, you know, facilitate something like this, or they were part of it and they had so much fun that they go and they say, oh my gosh, you have to do this. So, it makes it an easier sell when someone did it. And then, because if you think about, if you, like, for example, we're having a conversation our mutual connection jan said hey you need to talk to my buddy gary
0: mm-hmm. gary
1: would be great for this that has more weight than say i met you at starbucks and i was like oh you have a podcast uh, i'm gonna want to <laughs> be on a podcast Can i be on your podcast uh, like you yeah. know what i mean like you might be like after talking like all right maybe you might make a good thing but like you already gave me a pass <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. like, said, and that's usually what happens someone says you got to trust this guy, Gary. Like we did this mm-hmm. thing. It blew our minds. Yes, I was a little bit scared, but it works. And then you're mm-hmm. like, okay. Like, and so that's how <laughs> most of the stuff that I've done, like it's through word of mouth. And yeah. then when I was getting started doing this, because how I got started, it was, and I tell this all the time to people, I said, when I was sort of planning out the things that I wanted to do in my career, never did I thought that I would be doing this in this capacity, but here we are. And the reason why it happened is because me and a business partner broke up. Hmm. Um, He sort of broke up with me. I didn't really have a chance. Uh, You know, I, you know, I didn't have a choice in the matter, Uh, Mm -hmm. but I was, it was survival mode. It it wasn't necessarily desperation, but I was at a crossroad in my life where I was saying, well, do I go get another job at a digital marketing agency or something like that? Because that's what I had been doing the last 14 years. Mm -hmm. Or do I explore and go down this scary path of, facilitating these experiences that I have a hard time describing to people that most people are scared about doing. Yeah, And I decided to make that leap, take that leap. But in talking to people, they're like, what is this again? Team building? <laughs> you know, and so I said, look, let me come in on the house. Like I called it a complimentary recess. And if you like it and you see a place for us to potentially work together, even better. Or if you hear about anyone who needs it, please refer me. And that's mm-hmm. how I got started.
0: Amazing. Can you can you talk about, uh, I'm really curious to hear about like a story from one of the people that you've worked with, one of the teams you've worked with maybe, where maybe like the most unassuming person, most staunch professional looking person, I'm imagining a male, but maybe that's some conditioning that I'm showing off. And uh, yeah, who you just never would have imagined was going to buy into what you're doing or like really maybe really didn't want to participate and then just really showed you a side of themselves that maybe you and no one in the room had expected. Do you have any stories like that?
1: Yes. I have two stories, two quick okay. stories. One is with the male. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and one is with the female, mm-hmm. um, just so we can have, um, you know, sort of both, totally. uh, both sides of the coin. So the first one with the male, uh, it was, it was this company, it was with their HR. So it was this large tech company and all of their HR people were in town Doing some sort of planning, so they have multiple like sort of locations and multiple product lines, and so they have multiple HR leaders, and so they were all together. And so my contact brought me in. Um, it was during their planning, and they said, "All right, this would be a great thing to sort of mix things up, allow us to connect." And, you know, yada yada yada. So it was right after lunch. Uh, I come in, and um, you know, I got this you know sort of spiel, and and of course I get these looks like. What, we're gonna do improv, we're gonna do play, what is this? And of course, mm-hmm. we're confused, but there was this gentleman. Um, for the first part of it, he was just on his laptop, like not really participating. People were participating around him, but he was not participating. Uh, and as what, like when I do my workshops and stuff like that, it's not like, we're all gonna just sit at tables and stuff like that. People get up move right. around. There's, it's very interactive. And so at one point I lost him. Like, I just thought he left. I like, I'm like, he just like, uh, I had enough of this. I'm gone. Mm -hmm. I saw his laptop, but I didn't see him. Mm -hmm. So I just like, whatever it happens, you know, Sure. it's just not for you. All right, cool. You just got up enough. But then we did this, we did this, um, activity and I remembered, I looked and I saw him. He was like actually interacting. Like he was like in the group, he was participating. And so this is the magic. Emotions are contagious. You're in a room where everybody is like loving it everyone's enjoying it and this gentleman just if for whatever reason just wasn't having it i I don't know like we didn't get into that part um but then because it is just one of those things where like everybody is is having (laughs) this positive experience you can't help but to rub off and that's why i said people just like if they can't take it they just like all right i'm out like like but this gentleman he got up and he and he participated. And then with the stuff that I do, why it's so powerful is that we do debriefs. So we do we're gonna do a game, and the game has a meaning, but there's always sub meanings and the, then there's your interpretation of the meaning of the game and what you learned. Mm-hmm. And in the debrief, we start to talk about it, like what are some of the things you learned, what was challenging? what are you gonna do differently? And this gentleman like was one of the first people to like sort of like, oh my gosh. This was amazing. I, like, feel so, like, connected to all of you. Like, he was just, like, blah, blah, blah. Turns out he was the head VP. Like, he was the- like, Oh, no way. Of the whole group. Like, he was, like, the leader of the whole group. The interesting thing is that, like, by seeing your, like, bosses, bosses, boss, like, participate. Like, one is, like, wow. Like, for him to be that vulnerable, like, in front of mm-hmm. everyone,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like, that must took a lot of courage. And so, you know, I made sure to acknowledge him and stuff like that. But it was really cool. That was, So, that's the first story. Like, of just- like I thought he left. I didn't, I thought
0: right. Left.
1: Turns out I He just like, he gave in. He's like, all right,
0: totally. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then,
1: and then he realized that, Oh wow, this is actually a lot of fun and very useful and very, mm-hmm. you know, um, we got a lot out of this. The other one, again, um, when I do this sometimes it's with large groups, so I can't keep track of every single person. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end, I like to do something where I call a few people up and we play like an improv game and they're like sort of in the spotlight. And so I just, uh, I'm working with uh, the San Diego Padres with their sales team.
0: Amazing. Uh,
1: they, they, they hired me the sales team. Uh, it was a lot of newer people. They wanted them to, you know, feel more connected again. Um, you know, they're in sales. So they want to like personal development and help people be more confident, you know, better collaborators and stuff like that. So they're like, all right, this will be perfect. So at the end, we're doing this game, which is like they, a group of people get up and they're like sort of pitching an idea together, an idea that the audience creates for them. They're like, all right, what are you going to pitch? And like the audience creates this product. And then this group in real time is creating the features and they're collaborating with each other and they're pitching to us. So this requires to put everything that they learned in that day together, listening, being able Mm -hmm. to support each other, Mm -hmm. being able to just sort of think on your feet. All those things are put together in this like little mini spotlight. And then, you know, the group got up and they did it and like, yay. And then we're doing the debrief. And the person who hired me celebrates her, like this one gal. Again, I don't know the people ahead of time, but apparently she is normally super quiet. Hmm. She normally doesn't speak up at all. But the fact that not like, and I didn't notice any hesitation. I was like, who wants to, who wants to volunteer? She like raised her hand just like the other people. So I'm like, you're fast. All right, cool. So the fact that like (gasps) she felt so comfortable Hmm. in that short period of time that she's like i'm i'm gonna raise my hand like Mm -hmm. again when you play you create this connection where you feel like all right i've been acting silly no one's made fun of me
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you you guys must be good we must be cool like Mm -hmm. and on a scientific level what happens is um when you're in a true play like state, like some play looks like play is disguised as play, but it's not really play. Like some sports, like, yeah, you're playing, but like when you care more about winning than totally. playing the game, you've lost the play. Totally. Uh, gambling to a degree, like it can take over, like your drive to win and stuff like that. Again, you've lost the play plays. You're doing it for the sake of doing it. And, but when you're doing it, a lot of newer chemicals are being fired in your body. Uh, one is dopamine. Dopamine is where the creativity comes from. It helps you stay focused. Endorphins. Endorphins um, is like when you laugh and stuff like that. Like, again, it's focused creativity. Um, oxytocin and serotonin. Those are like the love hormone, the trust hormone. So now mm-hmm. you, we're trusting each other a bit more. You're feeling like you belong. So we're in this like little bubble. And, and, and you're more likely to do things that you probably wouldn't, wouldn't have done otherwise
0: mm Wow, it's what you're describing with the first uh, with the first story it reminds me of definitely a lot of experiences that I've had both for myself and and how I, ob- I guess observations that I've had of others in these types of settings is like there's this level of protectiveness like self-protection and preservation that happens of like I'm not doing this, this is stupid, I'm not gonna make a fool of myself everyone else can look stupid and be vulnerable. I'm not falling for it. And as you said, it's like you eventually give in of like everyone around you is having this experience. And then and then it things kind of it turns on you of like now you're the odd one out. Now you're the one who looks stupid because you're you're not participating in this thing that other people are clearly really benefiting from. I think for me and my experience of that, it takes a lot of like the the term that's coming to mind is like dissolving of the ego. But that sounds like almost too enlightened. But it's just like, yeah, I'm saying like. Okay, I just, I guess I'm going to, it's like the longer you you are not participating, the harder it is to eventually jump in, uh, at least for me. And um, yeah, I think it just takes a certain amount of like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take, put my pride down and I'm going to play these games with all these people. I'm going to play with everyone. Mm -hmm. You're
1: absolutely right. And one thing that I do, when you have an experience like this, you have to have like a guide. You have to have a facilitator that is there to like lead the group through an experience. And that's what I like. I like to call these experiences. The games that I do, I'm very intentional with the order and the types of games because the, or, the games that I have at the end, there's no way we can play them in the beginning. Sure. Yeah. We have not gained that trust and rapport with each other to feel safe enough to play this game. Not saying that it's like, hey, we're, we're never going to discuss our deep, dark feelings and secrets. No, it's not that. It's just to that point of like, I'm going to look kind of stupid, but e- I start so small. Some of the games, you don't even realize they're games. But when you study psychology, um, you learn about certain mechanics. And I use these mechanics in my work of if you can get to someone to do something super small and seemingly innocent, mm-hmm. you build their confidence. And then you ask them, you invite them to do something a little bit more challenging. You build their confidence. And then like, so if you think about any game that you've ever played, like on your mobile device that you've gotten addicted to. Break it down how you got an addicted it's because they gave you a simple task, and then you did it, and it may have been a little bit outside your comfort zone, but it's within your capability, and you mm-hmm. did it, and then you got celebrated, so I like it again, there's lots of celebration, everything I do like may seem like oh this west coaster like sort of like <sighs> sort of hippie go like you know' it's like, oh, we all love each other, yeah, whatever there's yes, I'm not gonna lie, all right, cool, sure and but it's all intentional. When I celebrate you on the smallest things, it is because I want you to feel like you're doing something right because you're going to be more likely to keep playing <laughs> if you feel like it is working for you. If I am insulting you or if I am like making you feel stupid, you're going to be less likely to trust me
0: mm-hmm. and want to play. Yeah, I'm also imagining that there, that part of what makes this effective is – that like the attention is being taken off of me as the individual that like sometimes I might be the focus of a game for like a couple minutes or something, but generally like the focus is on each person. And I would imagine there's like a big element of inclusion in your in your process as well of like everyone is participating, everyone gets the same amount of attention, and it's not just about this one person doing yes. something silly and vulnerable.
1: Yep. And so I'm gonna drop a little bit of knowledge here. Um, Please. Because we're talking about games. And, and how powerful games are. Um, there's an amazing TED Talk. Um, it's about 10 years old, uh, but it's still very amazing. It's by researcher Jane McGonigal, mm-hmm. and it's about how gaming can help us, uh, can make a better world. And she talks about what happens. She is talking about uh, multiplayer online games like World of Warcraft and stuff like that, but it's very similar in other games as well. And if you learn like, what happens when you're in a game like State, and you can create it in a non-game-like state, you can do some amazing things. So in her TED Talk, she talks about World of Warcraft specifically, but I feel like most games follow these mechanics, is that it makes you give, have this feeling that you can achieve anything. And what happens is when you're in a game world, you feel like, or you don't feel, you become the best version of yourself. Mm. You are willing to help people at a moment's notice, you're more likely to stick with the problem as long as it takes. You don't give up after f- failing and you try again. Because um, if you think about any game that you played, whether it's video game or other, like for me, I love, love, love uh, video games. Uh, I grew up on a Nintendo, you know, that that was like my, my thing growing up. But I like, I love playing board games. I love stuff like that. And I know that anytime I like, I make a mistake, I don't just like, well, throw this game out. That's right. Tough. Yeah. <laughs> However, in real life you make a mistake. Oh my God, I feel so stupid.
0: Right. Oh my yeah. God, They're going to
1: hate me. I'm not going back to work after. So there's something that happens when you're in play, it hijacks your brain
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's all about getting someone into a play like state with a play like state to truly be in a play like state. You can't be forced into it. You have to be invited to play.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I make it a point in these experiences to invite people. And and I even tell people, I said, look, if you don't feel comfortable doing this, you don't have to. I know in some things where they're like, everyone has to participate. I'm like, look, I want, I want you to feel like you have an out. The door is right there. If we're doing something that for whatever reason you don't feel like you're up to, uh, you're cool to go. And so like I create the conditions where it feels safe to play.
0: I love that. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I've never thought of how, yeah, in gaming, you don't, there is some kind of unspoken incentive of like, you just want to win and you want to, you want to keep playing until you achieve the thing. Um, Yes. and, And it feels exciting too. And it can be like frustrating at times, but there is something like so enticing about the reward.
1: Yeah, what kind of games do you like? Do you play video games or do you play regular games?
0: You know, I'm not I'm not a huge game person in general. I actually, I wonder if I'm, as I'm saying this, you're like, no, you like games. You just don't know that they're games. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. We
1: can, we can discuss that because that is a common thing. I hear that so often. I yeah. hear that so often that when you think about games and play, a lot of times people think that. They said, well, and then when you just, dis- when they learn that games and play is more than video games or maybe uh, sports and stuff like that, then people start to see the activities that they do as play, mm-hmm. and that opens up so much for them. So, mm-hmm. but I, I so I'm curious.
0: Yeah, well, in terms of play, um, definitely dance. Dance is is, is definitely one movement movement things, which also, um, has taken me some time to really become comfortable with like in terms of a group setting, I can dance by myself in my underwear all day long. I don't care. But, um, yeah, in terms of a group has definitely been something, uh, that interestingly, I think like the more that I've done it in groups, the more comfortable I feel doing it on my own. And then like in a more reciprocal way, then like the more comfortable I feel doing it in groups. And, I don't mind being someone who can like really, you know, let go and dance like a crazy person uh, in front of new people. Yeah. So I'd say movement is definitely, is a way that I do like to play.
1: Cool. You are the kinesthete. Um, so in the book, a uh, play um, how it shapes the brain and opens our word or whatnot. I forgot the subtitle, but it's by Dr. Stuart Brown. Okay. In that book, he highlights, I believe six play persons, six or seven play p- personalities. And it's based on, how you like to play and so movement so when like for that play personality uh you feel playful when you're moving and that's whether it's through athletics or yoga or dance or jumping rope um for this person is not about the competition of it is the goal of these activities is just pure enjoyment the movement of it mm-hmm. and so that is one of the many play personalities so yes wow. and you're right there so with play there it's kind of complicated in that yes you can play by yourself that's solo play dancing by yourself is solo play and um there is so there's a group it's called daybreaker yes Uh, yeah you've heard of them right for sure um and right now they're doing a study they're starting a study about the benefits of of group dance Wow. on our well-being and stuff like that and so you're right there is something about like Because it's a very vulnerable dance, you know, is a form of play and it can be very vulnerable. Like you're, because when you think, I think about like when I'm dancing, like you sort of lose yourself to the music Mm -hmm. and you're right. There could be that sort of judgment of like, oh, am I doing this right? Like all that, like sort of critic and stuff. However, but when you allow yourself to do it and you feel safe and you feel supported, you get this feeling like they talk about like the newer chemicals that happen like when you have group dance and that's what they're studying is mm-hmm. the effects on our well-being the effects on our creativity all these effects like i love hearing you say that oh it made you it affected your solo dance which made you know it's this cyclical cycle so yeah that is one of the play personalities and the fact that you um you know we're in austin now you're in oregon i like to think that another play personality that might fit you is the explorer Um, with the explorer your form of play is exploring new places or gathering new experiences so it could be through travel but it could through research or diving into different points of view like a podcast where you talk to people about their form of connection for instance Um, you know so you could be exploring your inner world through meditation or anything like that so Mm -hmm. that's another play personality
0: Wow, you know, it's so funny that you're saying this, because as you were talking before you mentioned the Explorer, I thought of like another way that I enjoy being playful is like, (laughs) this is a very specific example. But one of my housemates and I will sometimes go walking through where we live in San Francisco. And, you know, San Francisco has all these like beautiful historic homes. And we'll walk around and be like, who do you think lives in that house? Like, who's the family that lives there? And like, how they manage to afford this $3 million home? And what is their life like and what are they what are they doing when they're looking out at that view of the entire city and we just kind of go into our imaginations about like who are the people that live in these crazy houses and and what is it about yeah yes.
1: <laughs> well so to that point you are exercising the another play personality which is the storyteller so the mm-hmm. storyteller their form of play focuses on fantasy and the imagination so mm-hmm. they um you know this play, uh, play takes on many different facets whether it is Uh, writing or like improv or you're just immersing yourself in a good book or a good movie Mm -hmm. or just anything that has to do with imagination and stuff like that the storyteller so again um, it is play because you're doing it for the sake of doing it the outcome like the outcome of you like looking at that house and wondering you know who lives in there like there's like no outcome other than the fact that you're just doing it just for the sake of right so that's that's play.
0: Wow, I love that, and I think that that is such a helpful way of reframing. Uh, or I think taking some of the, the scariness out of that word play, and mm-hmm. and then when I'm in settings of like, oh, here's here's a different kind of play that we're gonna engage in. It's not as scary knowing like, oh, I do like to play. My my flavor might be a little bit different, but it's still play, and like it makes that comfort zone feel more manageable to to stretch.
1: And that's, that's where it is. And, and also if you took, if you look at it as more of a mindset of like, how can I, so I like to say sometimes uh, kids play and kids are amazing mm-hmm. at play mm-hmm. and adults are essentially just kids who atrophied. We forget, you know, yeah. like if you ever seen the book hook or uh, see the movie hook with Robin Williams, like it's the Peter Pan version, like where he grew up and then he forgot what it was like to be a kid. Like there's this scene. Have you seen hook? Of course. You know that scene when he's in Wonderland and the little chubby black kid comes up to him and he like stretches his face? And yes. Like, oh, there you are. Like I literally like I get tears like this think about it every time. Mm. It's like it's in there. But I like to say childlike versus childish. And when you really get into play, you're getting those childlike uh, qualities, which is creativity, curiosity, wonder, you know mm-hmm. you you get into this problem solving and so i say if you can take that sort of mindset and bottle it up and put it to your work how can you bring play to your you know play doesn't have to be the thing that you do after you're done working because um i forgot who said it so forgive me for not quoting correct but they said i think it was Brian Sutton something or another but Brian Sutton Smith he said the opposite of play isn't work the opposite of play is depression because if you can bring that play like mindset into your work you are doing it for the sake of doing it and the act of solving some sort of problem fuels you and then you get into this flow-like state you know because one of the play personalities and this is why most people have like this perception of play of like oh this is something kids do is the joker the joker play personality revolves around some sort of nonsense like you like practical jokes or you like to sort of cause mischief um you know that's but if you can do something for the sake of doing it and it and it Creates this sense of curiosity, this sense of wonder. I'm solving this cool problem. You could be sweeping the floor, and Mary Poppins, you know, said it, you know, in that for every job that must be done, um, you add an element of fun. You find yeah. a fun, you know, snap the jobs a game, you know. So that's what I'm all about.
0: Wait, okay. So what are these other play personalities? You've said the the Joker, the Explorer, uh-huh.
1: the Kenneth kin- yep, Keith. I think that's how okay. you pronounce it um we have the competitor so that's another one that's a common one like mm-hmm. the competitor they like specific rules they like playing to win they feel exhilarated when they're competing on a sports field or in the boardroom or competing with themselves mm-hmm. uh, i have a really good friend and he knows it he is <laughs> super competitive yeah and um you know that's his play personality he loves doing it um the director is another interesting one right now my three-year-old son mm-hmm. is the director that's his dominant play personality and the director um, when you're playing in this mode, you like organizing and planning and orchestrating events. You like to be okay. in charge yeah. and planning out other people's roles to you yes. that's play, uh, you're, you're comfortable being the center of attention. That's like my son. Like when we play, I'm like, all right, what's my role? What do I gotta do? All right. All right. All right. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it? You're like, no dad, I do it like this. I'm like, and then another one is, uh, the collector, uh, hmm. the collector for their form of play is that you like to gather Interesting things like whether like so you part of your play personality of traveling might be part collector in that like you like to gather different experiences and Like Mm -hmm. sort of put it together or you could be like as you can see behind me. I have memorabilia Starburst memorabilia like you like to collect, you know, things Um, You know, so, you know, collecting, you know, again, you're doing it for the sake of doing it like it brings you joy. Um, You know, that's another play personality no another one this is where again when people think about certain aspects of play like they see this the artist or the creator with the artist or the creator yes you love to make things but it doesn't mean that you have to display it like yeah. you know for you it's all about you know some you know you're creating things like a garden or maybe you like to doodle uh, or cut hair or you like to create music this is where people the misconception is and and I find myself guilty of this too like my niece, she likes to create stuff. She creates, she's on TikTok. 90% of her videos on TikTok, she doesn't publish. She loves just creating them. Huh, well. And again, sometimes you like see someone that does something like, oh, you should sell that or you should put that on Etsy. And sometimes just them doing it is joy enough. Totally. Um, and then the last one is the connector. This one Um, isn't from Dr. Stuart Brown's book. My play mentor, Gwen Gordon, she created this one. And that form of play for you is, if you're the connector, is that you love going to networking events. You like sort of any sort of thing where you're connecting with each other. You don't have to necessarily be in charge of the center of attention,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but if it involves connection or the sense of being part of a tribe or community, it's play Mm.
0: that's so fascinating and yeah it's so much more so much more of a broad understanding of of what play can be and and uh it's exciting as i'm like recognizing different elements of myself and in these different personalities or uh yeah these different play personalities and and i mean it feels exciting to be like wow i am playful look at me okay like i get to own that word now whereas at the 30 minutes ago at the beginning of this conversation i'm sitting here telling you like i'm not really playful i don't know don't know what to tell you nothing we can do
1: it's like, now you have glasses. Like, so I wear glasses. And I remember when I when I first um, got glasses, like I didn't think I needed glasses. But then once they put the glasses on me, I can like see like really good. i was like,
0: mm-hmm. oh,
1: oh, I didn't know what I was missing. All right. And, and that's what it's like when you have a narrow view, like of like, oh, play is just these two things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you're like, well, that doesn't align with me. So I guess I'm not playful. But then when mm-hmm. you like sort of, Open your variety of what play is your your play palette, if you will.
0: Your play palette, and you can
1: you can start to see so many elements as play, and Mm -hmm. you can take advantage of all the benefits that play brings to your life experience.
0: Yeah, and
1: so that's one element of understanding how do you play, Um, and then like in my in my work, I've been realizing, and especially my work with adults, realizing so like I would go through this like that. In some people, is like game change. And uh, if if you're listening or watching or whatever the case may be, and you're interested, I'll make sure that, um, uh, that I have a guide that helps you sort of do that. So I'll, I'll give you the link.
0: Great. In- yeah, I'll put it in the show notes.
1: Um, but adults are saying, all right, that's great, um, but I don't have time. Like, I would love to do this, but I don't have time. So then mm-hmm. one dimension, so one dimension is understanding, like, how do you play? The other thing is understanding how to play. And so that is all about, uh, so again, I learned this through my, um, my mentor, Gwen Gordon. Um, she calls it the seven paths to play. Like, so how you can get back to the playground is like these seven different modalities and the, by just understanding your play personality, you are doing number one, play by delight. And that is following your compass of joy. What is, what is going to bring you joy in this moment? What are these activities? What are these things? Go do that. Mm-hmm. Most adults, like again, you learn your play personality and then you get permission to play by delight to follow your compass of joy. That is enough to turn someone that has been uh, almost on the borderline uh, clinically ang- um, anxious and depressed mm-hmm. to like back on the straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a guy, um, I actually have his book, uh, right here. Um, Charlie Hohen, uh, it's called Play It Away. And he talked about how he was able to cure his anxiety. Now this is not, again, I, we're not a psychologist. Like, you know, some people have these clinical sort of moments and just because you're going to play, like I, taking that aside, he was having these very anxious moments. He found himself being a workaholic. Mm-hmm. No, he he dove too much into the work and it like consumed him and he like his sort of quality of life was diminishing. And all that he did was add a little bit more play into his life. He made space for play. And instead of going to a coffee shop with someone, he said, "Well, let's go for a walk. Let's play catch." He made space for that and over the course of a month by being intentional about that, those panic attacks that he had went mm-hmm. away. He was able to sleep better at night. Again, Brian Sutton-Smith, he said the opposite of a play isn't work. Uh, the opposite of play is depression.
0: Mm-hmm. And most
1: adults, and Dr. Stuart Brown talks about this too, most adults are suffering from play deprivation.
0: And are there other uh, aspects? So you had mentioned play by delight. Are there other, like, motivations?
1: Yes. So play, so this is the thing where um, it's, I, I call it, like, play by design. Okay. So play by design is more of being intentional, schedule it. Most adults need this too, because the things that you do are the things that you prioritize
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and play in Maslow hierarchy of needs is towards the top, you know, right. the bottom ones, even though in my opinion, the benefits of play, if you look at all the benefits of play, it's as necess- it's like, it's just as important as breathing. Because totally. when you are in a play-like state in your plane, like it reduces your, um, it reduces your heart rate. You know, which improves blood pressure. Um, it helps you be more creative. Um, it helps you be more productive. And like, there's all these benefits to it. However, we have this perception that play is just what kids do or whatever. So anytime something else comes along that seems like it's a more of a party, you're not going to do it. So and and this is the thing, and it seems counterintuitive. Like, I should just be able to just play. You're right, but you're not going to do it. Let's be honest. If, right. <laughs> if if you don't have space in your calendar to mm-hmm. play, something's going to show up. It's going to seem like a more priority pressing thing. You're going to do that. I'm speaking from my own experience, you know, totally. but, but so play by design is a big one is making space to play, making it a priority, holding space for those play like moments. Even if it's like in my TEDx talk, I talk about how, play helped me, you know, in, in my experience, my life experience. And it was something that I actually had to schedule. I put time on my calendar for these moments. Mm -hmm. And again, it seems just like, what am I really? Yes. And then it became more of a thing where I made it a priority, but if you haven't been playing up until this point, you can't expect hearing a podcast about the benefits of play. You're going to like that transform. You have to like put in the work, And that's why play by design is important. Now, uh, play on purpose is more about bringing a play-like mindset into your work. In the things that you're doing, how can you bring that play energy? Whether it being, you know, bringing playful music into your work so that you just like feel good, or if you're doing a mundane task, how can you incorporate that with something playful like dancing or something like that? Mm Mm-hmm. That is just more like of that playful mindset um, mm-hmm. of the seven paths to play. And then um, the other thing is play on demand. Now this is an important thing because I feel like this requires some pre planning of a lot of times I'm like, all right, cool play. They're like, I don't know what to do. So i like, Hey, how about you create a playlist? How about you start thinking about what are the things that activate play, have it handy and how can you incorporate these play like moments when you need to?
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that it's pointing to like the different, um, yeah, to the different, also the different barriers that might get in the way of us playing and how that points to like, cool, then what is what is your pathway to play?
1: Yes. And mm-hmm. then there are a few more. So I'll just, since we're talking about them, sure. Um there's play by invitation. So this is where you invite someone to play or you mm-hmm. accept invites to play. You see things mm-hmm. as an invite to play. That, again, is mindset. It's like, oh, you know what? I haven't been able to connect with someone. All right, let me invite them to play. Or someone's trying to reach out to me. All right, that is an invite to play. Why am I shutting down these invites to play,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: invites to connect? And then, um, you know, it's all about how can you, again, bring in the play-like mindset into these environments, which ties into the next one, which is play by disruption. For like, if you think about life, life, we have chaos and we have sort of like um, harmony. They need each other. If you think about when the world first happened, the big bang, a lot of pressure, chaos settled. Um, And so how can you either disrupt your flow? Because I tell people that feel like they're in a rut. I'm like, Hey, let's disrupt it. How can you do something different? I don't know. Like the reason why you're in a rut is because you're so like, when we do things over and over again, because our brain's number one job is to keep us alive. It knows that you're going to do it, so it does. It doesn't light you up the same way. Mm -hmm. If you have brain scans of you doing something that you do over and over again, it's not. You're going to be like, "What is lighting up?" The brain has already created those neural pathways, those programs, so that it can conserve energy. When you do something new, (laughs) brain's lighting up like a Christmas tree. And so, as a way to sort of get that feeling again, all you have to do is do something slightly different. Like, for example, lately I've been running uh, as a way to get rid of that COVID-10, you know, that, that 10 pound huh. thing that, you know, we've gotten from the pandemic and the stay at home. Um, and I had been doing that for a few weeks, the same sort of, same sort of run, and it's starting to feel stale. This mm-hmm. morning, I decided to, when I normally make a right, I made a left. It felt like a completely different run. It was the same, I still ran for 30 minutes, but again, disruption. And this is something for people that are very uptight,
0: yeah, helping them yeah. realize
1: that disruption is a good thing. And then the last one is play with mystery. So this one's embracing synchronicities, starting to look at magic. Like what are the things that are like outside of like our sort of understanding
0: mm. and how can we
1: see that as play?
0: Wow, these are so beautiful. Yeah, and I love that they point to the different ways that just different different minds work and also to uh, like the play by invitation one, for example. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily how my mind works but it does open up a door of like, can I, can I see invitations in that way? Uh, can I, can I change my mindset and see those things differently as offers to be inside of play more? Yes. Hmm. See, everything
1: is an offer. And that goes back to my work in the world of improvisation. Whereas when we're on stage and we're co-creating an experience, we like to say, everything's an offer. What is this an offer inviting us to do? We're in a global pandemic, uh, (laughs) you know, and yes, that can be seen as something to be completely scared. And, and terrifying about. And these things can coexist. But mm-hmm. what else, what is the offer?
0: I have, have honestly 400 more questions for you. And I, I also want to be mindful of our time. It's just like everything you say just like opens up like a few different like categories of doors for me, but I want to be mindful of our time. And there are two things I want to do before we close. One, yes. uh, I would love for you to tell all of the people where they can find out more information about you and your work. And then I'm going to ask you a series of some play around questions.
1: People can find me on my website, breakthroughplay.com. If you're on social media, if you just look up Gary Ware, like at Gary Ware, you can probably find me. Um, I love this topic. And like I said, I have a guide on understanding your play personality. I'll make sure that you have it so it's in the show notes. Cool. I guess let's get on with it.
0: All right, cool. And I'll also name that like if you don't answer these quickly as the name lightning round suggests, that's also okay. Because I, uh, it's funny. I like it. Like I named it a lightning round and people ask me like, do I have to answer quickly? I'm like, actually, no, I'd love for you to like take your time and really be slow and thoughtful.
1: (laughs) I would like to be thoughtful in a quick
0: way. (laughs) Cool. Love that. Okay. Your first question. Um, what is something that most people wrongly assume about you?
1: That I'm an extrovert. (laughs)
0: Oh, what's the truth?
1: Uh, I'm more of an ambivert um, because the interesting thing is that I do love being around people. Mm -hmm. I love connecting with people, but I do need space to recharge. And I get invited, you know, because I'm the play guy. Like I get invited to a lot. And when I say, oh, I need to recharge, it's like, what? (laughs) What? What? You don't just run off of like- just
0: an endless battery.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Cool. I I share some of that. I also- often mistaken for an extrovert.
1: Oh, Um, and this is another thing, which I guess just over time um, is not as much. Um, I used to be very shy as a child. I was very shy until I got to know you. Then I would talk your ear off.
0: Totally. Yeah. I also share that. Cool. Um, Second question. What is something that you would like to be acknowledged more for in your life?
1: I'm very thoughtful. (laughs) Uh, Like I, I put a lot of thought, like, into things like um, I'm very intentional and some things, it just seems like, oh, wow, you did that. Like, yes, I did that, but guess what? It took a lot to get to that point. It it may seem like it was an effortless thing, but guess what? There was a lot of planning involved. And so, um, yeah, to acknowledge like, wow, you put a lot of thought and effort into what seems like a very simple thing.
0: Yeah, more than just magic and good luck. Right, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Third question. What do you think most people learn from you?
1: Well, most people think that they learn that they're more playful, that they're more playful than they give themselves credit for. That's what most people think. But what I like to think that people learn is that they have the ability to do more than they give themselves credit for.
0: And last question for you. What is one of your favorite questions to ask other people to help you to get to know them?
1: Uh, Well, we we sort of did it. Uh, When you were a child, (laughs) what did you like to do that brought you joy?
0: Yes. Oh, what a good one. I love that. I love that question.
1: And the part two is what did you think you learned from it? Mm -hmm. What do you think it taught
0: Mm -hmm. you? What's one of your favorite answers you've gotten to that?
1: Uh, One of the favorite things, this one gal, she talked about how she loved playing with dolls and and she loved playing with Barbies she you know it just was so cool like she just liked to put them in different scenarios and and she said what she learned what superpower it gave her by doing that is that she is so caring mm. and it taught her how to like really take care of people just think about other people's well-being mm. and I was like oh that's so amazing
0: yeah beautiful oh Well, Gary, thank you so much for for taking some time out of your day and doing this. And uh, it was so, yeah, it definitely opened up my eyes more. to like the different dimensions of play and that it is a complex like art and science. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for educating us all.
1: My pleasure, Kyla. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: All right, y'all. That is the episode with Gary Ware. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. I love you, and I will be back next week with the next episode.